Hello and welcome to episode 34 of the Okie Show Show. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because you sound terrible. I feel terrible. You look terrible. Well, this is the intro, and I'm <laughs> sick as a dog. And I'm healthy as a clam. A, a clam? No, I think it's happy. Uh, well, I guess. I'm healthy as a clam. Well, you have to be healthy to be happy. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. Right. So, um, I've been working on this movie, and old Lainey Pooh has been at home alone. Or have I? Or <laughs> <laughs> hey, shout out to my boyfriend. I've been working on Southern <laughs> Christmas, and I just spent all day today <coughs> doing that <laughs> while holding a boom pole. Mm. And that's not fun. Well, like I told you earlier, you chose your path. <laughs> I, I did. I chose my my life. So this is episode 34 featuring the beautiful and wonderful and incredibly talented Brianna Gaither. I was really, really excited to have her on because we used to play with her back in the day. Mm-hmm. I was sad that I wasn't able to be there, but I watched the whole live stream of it at work. Yeah, so. I think we made fun of you. I think you did yeah. a couple times. So. Well... My pasta's done, so that's that means it's time to turn it over to <laughs> episode 34 of the Oki Show Show. Welcome to the Oki Show Show, the podcast that dives into the finer details of navigating Oklahoma's film and music industries. I'm Brian. I'm Kelly. And we are here with um, a very special guest and then kind of a surprise walk-on guest. I'm not a guest. I'm you, like just hanging out. You you happen to be in the office. We were like, Patrick, grab a mic. Yeah, I didn't have an excuse this time like because yeah. I'm doing file transfers off one computer to another. So I'm like literally have no, oh, I need to be editing or I need to be playing poker or, <laughs> or podcasting yep. like cool people. So Everybody, I'm... please welcome Mr. Patrick Kirk Woo. onto the show. This is the first time we've been trying to get you on the show since this thing started. That was the hardest Kirk <laughs> ever pronounced in my name. Patrick Kirk. It's a really Kirk. It's, I, I try to make it as intense as possible. you got to intimidate people it's with action. your name. It's Captain Kirk. Yeah. But uh, you're a local filmmaker. You, we, we used to be business partners with Indian Head back in the day. We still share an office. And we are the guys that always go see Star Wars together. So ah. Star Wars. And we do 48-hour films. Yep. Star Wars The Last Move Jedi. <laughs> we just found out. I don't know how I feel about that title. I'm 50-52. It's like, they don't seem to remember that they keep kind of doing the same things over and over again. Yeah. Like, Return of the Jedi, or how many times has Luke told he was the last Jedi, and now we're back to the last Jedi. Wait a minute. The thing that tickles me, though, is that, like, the Jedi just returned, and that, that didn't last long. But then, like, in other places, like they do Star Wars Rebels, they've got other Jedi still around. Or Force-sensitive. Like, yeah. We're going down a nerdy path really fast. I can't join in. I, have, so I, try, I can try. <laughs> I have nothing. I, yeah. Absolutely <laughs> nope. nothing. Nope. Let's go ahead and introduce our actual guest. Uh, you're not Yay. an official guest, Patrick. Good. <laughs> uh, Miss Brianna Gaither, you have an album coming out called Vanity. I do. And we are super excited to have you on the show. Yeah, Welcome. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Heck yes. So, uh... 
uh, tell us a little bit about the. It's a full length album that That's you're right. releasing. Yep, this is it's your a second album. Song. Yep, it is. Okay, so tell us uh-huh. about the the record. What we can expect? Sure. Yeah. Um. Man, this project was so different from anything I've done in the past. It was way more of of a true project than uh, kind of your average creativity process in making an album. I chose to do uh, 10 songs in 10 months with 10 different Oklahoma producers. And um, yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like specific parameters, you know, it was, and I had to do that to myself. I had, if I was going to do something big, (laughs) I motivation. I had to make it in a time frame. um, And it's just easier to latch onto something that big if there's kind of a ring to it mm-hmm. even yeah. you know because that's actually been a hard thing to do is express everything that happened this past year because right. I start talking about it and people like get overwhelmed I'm like okay I need to <laughs> narrow this down um, but yeah it was 10 songs in 10 months with 10 different producers and uh, so in essence it's like doing 10 singles almost you're in yeah. separate spaces in different parts of the state even we I was in uh, Marlowe Oklahoma Norman Oklahoma City Bethany Edmond um yeah, just going all over the place. God, that's crazy. Yeah. How do you and even find all the producers. I know, that's really I cool know. too. Well, like, I didn't have all of them when I started month one. Yeah. I uh, had most of them and I went into it with options open. Um I had a pretty long list of of options and just kinda let it come to me. I think the hardest thing was assigning different songs to different producers, deciding who would do what. Some of some of the producers I've known for a long time uh, from from my previous record and from being in the Oklahoma City music scene, uh, and some I met the day we started recording and just yeah. heard their work and and went off reliable sources. But awesome. it was pretty crazy. Yeah, um, and a lot of them hadn't heard. You know. Um, the other songs I'm doing on the album. And so that was interesting too. And it required a whole different form of leadership from me as I'm the only one that knows what all the songs sound like, you know? You have the overall like album sound in mind or like the the artistic right thought exactly yeah but but they they don't know that so that's right (laughs) and it mesh it yeah mm -hmm. and it uh and and that's the thing is like you don't want nine you know acoustic songs that sound exactly the same and then one edm like dance music song (laughs) here's a little gift for everyone that doesn't like the rest of this i guess but at the same time with all the strings and then there was a random dubstep drop (laughs) 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 but at the same time i got to be really diverse in that way i got to take opportunity to do things i hadn't done before and um and be more outside of the box just by the nature of the project so i do have kind of uh pop chill out like more electronic and I have um, live acoustic, which is also outside of my box to do a live uh, song that's next to all of these studio. I mean, it was still no. a studio, live in studio, but um, you know, you don't get to comp the vocals, you don't get to tune them, you know. Right. And you're, not, you're not doing track after track. Exactly. After track. You're just doing it all live. Yeah, that's, that's exactly. Um, and so. It turns out that that song that uh, that I recorded live is the title track of the album, Vanity, um, which so much of this project was me figuring out like how to confront vanity in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and insecurity and, and get past some of those things to present something that was truly me, r- risky and vulnerable um, yeah. too. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. that's It's really cool because uh, you kind of, it, it probably stretches you artistically 
so much in each scenario, mm-hmm. but you learn from each little one too. So yes. you're kind of like, it's just like a huge, really fast learning process. Yes, that's, that's exactly really cool. right. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. And I actually met my husband through the process. Oh. He was one of my 10 producers. Wow. So crazy that you're like, okay. It is to crazy. Give a little history. Uh, I used to play with you, well, not That's with right. you, like in a band, but like we would open for you guys and vice versa. Vice versa, yeah. For many, 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 many years. Mm-hmm. And then like, and then adulting started happening. <laughs> <laughs> and then I became an adult and like right. started having to work all the time. We can't really play shows that much anymore. But uh, yeah, I mean like we, Ophidelis has been there with Brianna Gaither for like probably eight years. Yeah. Eight yeah. or nine. It's been a long freaking time. It has. It's crazy. You got past the seven year itch. I know. You know, it's like a marriage. Seven years yep. after that, cake. <laughs> right? It's all downhill from there. We had some rough times there <laughs> right? at the beginning. <laughs> the one mustache bash, man, that was rough. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I haven't seen you since you got married. That's right. Or, are, you, are you married now? Or are you I am married. You're yeah. married. Yeah. Jeez. I got crazy. married in the middle of the project. So we wow. crowdfunded it. And um, Adam proposed two days later. And then I got married fi- in five months into the 10-month project. Holy That's moly. Awesome. And so all you- your wedding gifts were just, you, your registry was on Kickstarter. Just everybody. <laughs> oh. just give money to that. <laughs> our <laughs> wedding <laughs> gift will just be the Kickstarter. I guess I asked for I a lot of money pay. in 2016. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Dude, you're recording a full-length album. Let's no kidding. It's insane. That's why it's taken Laney and I yeah. years and years and years to finish one freaking album. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's hard. It is. <laughs> you have to want to do it more than you want to breathe. I mean, it yeah. is so much effort. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I haven't really even talked about the companion documentary right. that I did yeah. alongside the project. Let's touch on that. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. So this is where people start getting overwhelmed. It's a lot. <laughs> so it's 10 songs written, but like produced with 10 different producers. And there's a That's documentary right. on top of it all. Yeah. Um, was it directed by 10 different directors? No, <laughs> no. Uh, it was actually just me and one other guy, Weston Waugh, uh, with Stout Multimedia. And the thing is, okay, so... I was doing music full time. I launched my uh, first album in 2011, and that's really where uh, I started connecting with Ophidelis, with yeah. uh, you and your wife. And back in the day, back in the day, and 2011 doesn't feel like it's that long ago. No, it doesn't. It like have to no, it yeah. doesn't. <sighs> oh, it's weird. I got married in 2011, so it feels like a really long time. I'm kidding. <laughs> I love you, Aaron. If you're, he's not listening. He's working. That's amazing. That's oh man. Uh, and so that was going. No, you're fine. That was going so well uh, until I started having wrist issues. I was having health issues oh, from yeah. practicing as hard as I needed to. I found out that it was um, an issue with my with the height of my practice keyboard oh. so everyone beware ergonomics are actually important uh, and I had to cancel a bunch of shows I went on hi- uh, hiatus for the longest and I ended up just going in a different direction with my life uh, right. I uh, moved to Norman I started working at a startup tech firm like just a, a really different direction but in that place of isolation as far as you know musical isolation in a lot of ways uh, and songwriting and 
in all of that, I really just started dreaming again and, and realized that I didn't have enough energy just to make another album the way that I had made an album before. And like I said, no matter how you want to make an album, it takes all your time and energy. I mean, it is a yeah. huge endeavor. Um, unless you know people I don't know. If you're an indie band musician or whatever, I mean, you have to want to do it really bad. And, um, and I didn't have the energy to do what I had done before. And so I started really asking myself what gave me energy, like what gives me energy, enthusiasm, and what would I do if I could do anything? And I realized that uh, my passion is for building community. My passion is for uh, encouraging others and mentoring and being mentored. And again, in kind of a place of isolation in a lot of ways, um, I wasn't experiencing that. And even looking back on my previous career, outside of relationships like um with Ophidelis, I wasn't necessarily experiencing it that in that circle either you know yeah. there's a lot of co- there's a lot of competition there's and a ton of competition there is there is and sometimes that gets in the way from like true deep relationships where you love each other and want to see each other grow and succeed and um and apart from that I am a person of faith I'm a Christian and uh I wanted really to see like what God was doing in Oklahoma City through musicians of faith. And so um, that's a lot of stuff going on in my head (laughs) at the same time. And I'm like, okay, how can I put all this crazy nonsense in my head into a plan? And what does that look like? And how is that communicated and um, executed? And that's where I thought, you know what? I want to do a a hyper-inclusive project where instead of just getting to know one producer over a month's period of time creating an album I want to get together with 10 different producers in a in a um you know with a longer period of time with 10 months and learn from a lot of different people kind of across the state and I chose to I specifically work with producers who are who are faith driven people and that is kind of the um the bed for this documentary where I am exploring the theology of creativity. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Well, and that's one fun. thing that we really wanted to touch on with you. Mm-hmm. Um, we, like we were talking about the uh, skit guys, faith-based filmmaking yeah. episode that we did. Oh, so but good. Faith-based music is also kind of a totally different animal. Yes. Like, First of all, there's still the stigma yes. that faith-based filmmaking has equally. It's just not a, that for some reason it's like eh, it, it it stays in its own little. That's right. Or right. like that's for other people or yeah. I don't yeah I don't know. I feel like with faith-based filmmaking the stigma is the money factor and the faith-based music stigma has to do with replacing baby with Jesus. <laughs> Right, you know what I mean? right, right. <laughs> like yeah, that's the joke like, everybody like, says. Who are you singing to? Right? Like yeah, Jesus like, yeah. is my boyfriend. boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, yeah. I got you. Yeah. There it is. But let's talk about that because there are there are several faith based musicians in Oklahoma, and um, I wouldn't say that we have anybody that's like in your face. Like, if you are feeling something missing in your life from the stage, <laughs> like they start spreading the gospel from the stage like mm-hmm. i don't think we have those kind of people right evangelizing right <laughs> <laughs> but we do have a lot of faith-based musicians mm-hmm. and um i was hoping that you could touch on that a little yeah. bit like the pros the cons that kind of thing uh-huh. of being 
a person of faith in the music scene. Right. And oh, I, I'm a little weird in that there's not necessarily a true formula for what I'm doing. And that to me feels really risky in a lot of ways. You know, I'm in an indie pop artist who is making a faith-based documentary that's following my album process of making indie pop, you know? <laughs> right. It's really weird, um, but I think that there's something fresh to that, you know? I think there's something that is is gonna feel authentic about this project because it doesn't follow that traditional format, especially for... Uh, like a CC or for CCM artists or Christian contemporary music that has become a genre yeah. in a lot of ways, oh, you know, yeah. like you can be a CCM artist the way that you can be a country artist, the way you can be, you know, mm-hmm. whatever type of artist. And so it's really hard for me to identify as a Christian contemporary artist. And I really wouldn't, yeah. even though I have songs, especially on this album, because I was given the opportunity to, to foster diversity within these this collection of songs i have breakup songs on this album and i have i mean songs straight from scripture you know and to me the dna of my music is my faith and so whether it is in a moment where i'm devastated and the lyrics are not what you would expect necessarily um to be faith-based or not, you know, like they could go any way. Um, Or if I'm singing something that's very obviously Christian, to me, the DNA of that is, is me as the songwriter who is a person of faith. Yeah. I feel like, like every single musician has a foundation of some kind, which is their worldview. Yeah. And that's where the music comes from. And like, sometimes that worldview is based on an emotion of like, like Adele, Mm-hmm. being all about the breakups and all that kind of stuff or uh, Taylor Swift who is all about the breakups <laughs> pretty much every musician that's all about the breakups <laughs> or any country country artist who all about got the, broken uh, up with and then just started drinking heavily yeah and like, lo- lost his truck and his dog <laughs> <laughs> that's every country singer actually nowadays I don't know it's all the country music oh, God. It, it's gotten it, it's today's really country. weird country today's yeah. country music it is not country music <laughs> it's not except for Chris it Stapleton it sounds more like dance club music who yeah. writes for country music artists he just is like hey you want a really easy country song I'll just write you a really simple country yeah. song it's really easy to write and then he like writes his own bluegrass different totally different <laughs> stuff I mean it's funny Sorry. we're gonna have guns we're gonna have beer we're gonna have dogs yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like what are the buzzwords for, for? I swear there's a country music buzzword dictionary <laughs> <There> somewhere <laughs> But they're like, I love all right, it, though. I love beer it. truck oh, dog. I love it so much. Love it dog, so much. Spelled D O W G E. <laughs> the tornado mixed in. Yeah. All the vowels. Yeah. Right. No, I, I can't even. I'm, okay, we're getting off on a tangent. Know, country music. I'm sorry. Tangent. Tangent. <laughs> Worth we it. We had that warning in that email that we, we go off on tangents. I love it. Um, what were we? I, I totally lost my train of thought. Uh, but the fact, like the the music coming from a certain place, whether that right. be an emotion or you <laughs> yeah. know, your foundational worldview, mm-hmm. and faith is absolutely yeah. part of that. Yeah. So I write from a Christian worldview, and the thing about my music is it. I write based off of what I'm inspired by. I'm inspired by inspired by nature. I'm inspired um, by people and by experiences that I have. And I'm also inspired by the Word of God, you know. And so you really see a, a mix and match, you know, throughout my music. But I would also say 
that I invite anyone to come in, hear my music, enjoy it, and derive their own meaning from right. it, you know, yeah. to, uh, to see the music and appreciate it for music, for being music and for being meaningful. And then if they want to know why I wrote it and the reasons behind what it meant to me, I'm really transparent about those reasons. Yeah. I mean, I think most, a lot of songs, I, I do that with a lot of songs where I like, this is what I think this song means. And it resonates with me personally in this way. And then right. I like find out it's about heroin. Oops. <laughs> That's not what I was oh, thinking man. at all, you know, but it, right. I mean, people do that. It's, it's the connection. You're making a human mm-hmm. connection aspect yeah. to every song, whether it's, you right. know, and, and, and the deeper part of it is, is, Christ and, and the yeah. word of God, you know, I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's huge. One thing that I think is really cool about music that is unique to music is that it, it is completely a universal language. It's, yes, it's being able to take your emotions and to make them audible. Yeah. You know? Like this, the score in every movie is just manipulating emotions and stuff. Like you pull the music out of star Wars whenever Darth Vader's walking down the <laughs> thing and it's just dead silent. Just like, <laughs> It's really awkward. It's like he should be wearing a tie. Mm. Like he should be going into the office with a coffee cup in his hand. <laughs> Someone actually did that at the other end of Star Wars where it was the, the finale in the throne room where Han yeah, and yeah, the yeah. medals. And it's just like dead silent. <laughs> and then there's clapping. And then somebody, somebody coughs. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then randomly Chewie's just yep. and like dead silence. <laughs> and like everyone's, if you watch the scene, like there's no speaking between each other. They're like Leia is handing out the medals and everything, and they're just awkwardly smiling at each other, like, hmm, <laughs> hmm. Subtext: We did it. <laughs> so, so music is important. Music was important <laughs> to yeah. the emotional. Yeah, that's the point that we're getting at. The scene. <laughs> Another tangent, making it back, back around. Back to Star Wars, yeah. though. At least we. Yeah, back to Star Wars. We're gonna, we're gonna start that. talking about the, the crappy Jedi training of how it's been in decline. <laughs> very, very, very sad. Very sad. Right. We're, we're going to fix it. We're, we're, we're going to make Jedi great again. <laughs> we're going to get rid of all the Sith. All the Siths are very, very bad. <laughs> we're going to build a force wall. <laughs> I have the best lightsaber. I've got the biggest lightsaber. <laughs> see? See? Look at the hands. No problem. <laughs> So we're gonna listen to one of your songs on that note. What a great, yeah. <laughs> what a great song! You're welcome. <laughs> Faith. So we're gonna to cut to a song. I can make it grow. Yes. And so tell us, kind of set up the song for okay, us. Okay, the song I can't make it grow. Um, it's actually derived. Uh, the idea of it is derived from scripture. It's John fifteen five, uh, where Jesus says, "I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me uh, will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can bear nothing." And um, this is so significant because, from the Christian worldview, like the Lord plants seeds in us of faith, of potential, of um, you know what He wants for us. And there are times where we absolutely have no power to make that seed grow like and I and I really see this song as sometimes like you have this battle with faith you're like I want to believe in God I want to believe he is good and uh oftentimes that's in really serious situations real heartbreak and um and this song was written 
in a, a real understanding of that. You know, that there are times in leadership, there are times in life where you just wish that you on your own strength could do A, B, and C, and it's can't, totally yeah. impossible. Can't. Yes, exactly. And so uh, through the course of the song, it's it's a, it takes a storytelling approach, which not all my songs do, but this one especially. And, um, and it's this person, it's written almost in a in a romance you also see a theme through scripture of um christ and his bride and so there is merit to those love songs oh yeah, <laughs> that oh, are, yeah. oh that, it's all it's romantic <laughs> i mean song of solomon alone there's spicy romance there's mm, merit to jesus yeah, is my yeah. boyfriend absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> well let's take a listen this is i can make it grow your love was planted like a seed in the garden Her heart was harder than she knew You saw her and you wanted her before The seed grew, she said
the podcast is about Kyle Dillingham and how awesome he is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that was I Can't Make It Grow. I totally missaid the, the title of the song earlier. But the strings, the effing strings in that song, are they're oh so cinematic, man. Yes. <gasps> yes. So um, Kyle Dillingham arranged those strings for me. He, You may have heard of Kyle Dillingham and Horseshoe Road. He's an Oklahoma folk artist and... He's phenomenal. He he did violin one, violin two, and viola, and his wife did cello. Wow. Gosh. They are amazing. What's that? Oh, the upright bass. Oh, no. uh -uh. It was just that in piano. Um, That is what I've always wanted to have on an Ophidel's album is the string quartet. Yeah. And like, we, we, yeah, that is hard to make that happen. Well, I'm going to plug really quick. At the CD release, he's going to be playing live. What? We're going to have a string quartet with Kyle, his wife, and um, bringing two others on. Oh. So February 24th. All right. At Crestwood yes. Vineyard Church. Okay. Because I was afraid that, that this episode is going to come out after, but your pre-release is the 28th of January. That's right. Okay. Pre-release listening party. Right. Yeah. So this is going to be have this will be coming out after the pre-release. That, so we that's can right. we can pretend that we're in the future right now. That pre-release party was awesome. <laughs> I you had killed it. so much fun at that party. <laughs> All the fun was had at the pre-release. It was great. It was the best party ever. It was the greatest party. It was pretty cool. We should build an album. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, I, uh, my question about the strings is what, did he did you arrange it? Or did he arrange it? No. Okay, so I um, had the vocals and this, I'm sorry, the scratch vocals and keys cut. And then we sent it over to him and he did the arrangement for the string quartet and then came in and played it. It was, it was incredible. Yeah, that's phenomenal. Yeah, the, the, that is a freaking gorgeous song on so many different levels. Yeah, absolutely. Man, I'm I'm curious about like your your writing process, like because for me it takes me freaking forever to get a song done, because like I'll, I'll sit on like I I write melody based, mm. and like Lainey is the opposite. She'll write hook based. Like oh. she'll she'll write the uh, music part before she writes the lyrics. Mm. And like I have to have a lyrical melody before I can write anything around it. Mm-hmm. How do you go about writing your songs? It's different every time, I would say. Um, and the duration is different every time. This one came really quick. Um, man, a, most of my favorites, most of my favorites came very quickly, or the majority did, and then I just had to add a bridge later or something yeah. like that. But um, some, oftentimes my some of my favorite ones come in moments of inspiration, and, and it takes about two hours to get it out. But it's usually both at the same time, like Lucky. music... Uh, if I'm at my piano, then it's often music, lyrics, and melody, and I just play around for a couple hours, and then it eventually meshes into something. Uh, What I've been doing most recently, I'd say the my more recent songs have been on a on a busier schedule, and um, I just have my iPhone and in the car while I'm driving, not that I condone <laughs> driving and using your phone. Not the same as texting. Don't tell Do the cops. Yeah. <laughs> All the cops, she didn't say that. But I'm driving and I'm by myself and, and I'm just like kind of humming and thinking and I'm like, okay, click record and there's yes. a ton of like driving recordings. That, voice memos. Voice memos. That is my best friend. If and Like no one's allowed to listen to those voice memos because <laughs> like you, there's no way to not sound like a psychopath. Oh yeah, <laughs> they're ridiculous. 
I think I have some on my because I'll record bits and jokes. Yeah. And uh, so you think recording songs, voice memo style on your phone while you're driving your car is crazy. Imagine just talking to yourself, <laughs> like telling jokes to. Yeah. To God. <laughs> I, I could be diagnosed schizophrenic if there was a recording <laughs> yeah. of my me in the car by myself. Well, I'm pretty sure like if the NSA had a bug in my car, <laughs> they would seriously think that I was mental. That's hysterical. Like, because not only am I like doing that of like recording random jokes or recording random songs or something like that, I also I'm one of those people who just like have like does this happen to you where you're just like dead silent and out of nowhere you're just like ah, ah, why? <laughs> <laughs> I do that all the time. If you were to listen to a recording of my, me in my car, it would just be a montage of me swearing oh my at myself. That's awesome. Just, just randomly. See, I do. I don't get road rage. I get road sarcasm. So somebody cuts. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Just come right on up. Come That's right on over. It's fine. That's there wasn't a car here. Totally. I'll slow down for you. That's exactly where I am. But it went. It went from like pure oh, screaming rage to I had to cut it down to that because I have kids in the car. But then yep. Oliver was. Responds and he's like, "What did you just say to me?" And I'm like, "No, no, no! I'm talking to the guy in front of me." He pulled over and he's like, "Mom, yeah, you need to take a breath." I'm a yeah. yeah. So then I can't even like talk to the car in front of me anymore because Oliver's in the back backseat driving. Like, Mom, don't. That's not nice. Don't talk to people like that. So I've got like second conscience oh, man. coming from. Yeah. Mm. So, see, what's great is just the world of the, how life is cycles because he's doing that to you, keeping you accountable. Right. I mean, he's going to get older and learn all those words. Oh, and it's going to yeah. come right back on him, the oh, little jerk. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Uh huh. So, voice memos are great. Yeah, they are. And I, I mean, I'll. Re- you know, reveal my age in this, but I didn't get an iPhone until after college, oh, guys. Yeah, oh yeah. After I graduated college, and um, and so I didn't have a recording device before then, and a very large amount of the you know songs I've written were prior to that point, and I um, and so before this piece of technology I would have to sit at the practice bench for hours until it was Just memorized sitting there yeah. I like would getting it back down you don't right? eat yeah. you don't sleep until you know that you know that it's memorized and Oof. that's pretty crazy thank you technology I know yes. seriously like I can't even think of a time that I wasn't able to record like the stuff that I was trying to write yeah. In one way or another. Because before I had a phone, like I had like a crappy 8-track recorder mm. or something. Mm-hmm. Or like a, one of those. Actually, I had one of those crappy little, uh, digital like recorders. Like little memo things. Yeah. I'll tell you what, though. There are pros and cons because I realized in doing that that if I didn't remember the next day, it probably wasn't that catchy. Ah, yeah, yeah you're true. able. It's kind of like a yeah. You can you can tell if it's hey, this is gonna stick with you, melody yeah. or or something. Yeah, that makes sense. You can probably toss it. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. So I let's need, take a listen to, to what was that? What did I, I do the same thing, but with like you know script ideas or commercial oh, ideas, yeah. and I'll have them like in the middle of the night, and I'm like, I should get up to write it. <laughs> I need to, I need to turn the light on and write it down, and if I can't force myself to do that, then it's probably not. Good. Yeah. Maybe it's not as good an idea. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, yeah that, that's the worst. Is like whenever you wake up the next day and you're like, "What did I do? Like, what is this?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay, I'll be about that though. Anytime I have to choose between getting up and doing something and sleeping in the middle of the night, sleep just about wins out unless I'm already wired yeah. right. from yep. those ideas. 
I will say another place that like in the car is a prime place for when those those recordings happen. Another time is the middle of the night in the dark in my bed. I'm like trying to sleep and I start getting mind is just going those ideas and oh, yeah. I grab my phone and I just record into it right then and then I lay my phone down and then I can sleep. Wow. You know, yeah. but that's, that's happened in the middle of the night and that's happened at five or six in the morning and so I'm really not going to show you those recordings <laughs> uh, yeah, well, yeah I'm probably, uh, you sound like you're on heroin or something yeah <laughs> yeah but those became songs yeah, they really they become, did and yeah. I wouldn't have remembered that there's no way I would have remembered what happened in the middle of the night but yeah. they became some of my favorite songs that's awesome let's take a listen to another one of your brand new tunes from the album Vanity this is a song called I Won't Rest Until so tell us a little bit about this song and then we'll take a listen see. yeah so this was written in um, a like prior to a breakup. Uh, and so, you know, the part where you know it's coming. Yeah. And um, I day. was, yeah. I'm always writing about more than one thing at the same time. Like everything just blends and weaves into my life. I don't uh, always compartmentalize really well. And so it was kind of a combo of just like, Ecclesiastes in the Bible like what is life and it almost plays into vanity you know like life is vanity a chasing after the wind like there's there is a lot of meaningless you know especially yeah yeah Ecclesiastes is my like my go-to book like I'm already a borderline suicidal nihilist like I'll just read that book and be like, yep, everything I thought was true. Yeah, everything's meaningless. If you don't know this yet, the majority of artists have or do struggle with depression. It's yeah. true. It's yeah, a very yeah. serious thing. Jeez. It's yep. a very serious yeah. thing. Um, Wait till you're freelance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you get some good material out of it. And um, so I Won't Rest Until was really kind of digging into that. It was also a look at me as an artist I was just not feeling great about myself as a musician and so the first verse is about that tension of like why am I ironically not good at the one thing that I should Should be be good good at at? that I like am (laughs) quote unquote made to do or whatever and so it just goes through all these different pieces of imagery that um that confront that the first verse is is talk is all similes it's like uh like a fish that's drowning in the ocean (laughs) like a traveler swallowed up by the road you know um like a this longing like i can't have the one thing that it seems like i should be able to have like fart lost in the wind (laughs) (laughs) we're swerving into alanis morissette honestly that was the line that didn't make it in. Uh, it was close. Yeah, it, made, it didn't it was make close. the cut. Yes. Yeah. Like, um, first verse ends with like a dying bird asking to be buried in the sky. Oh, wow. wow. So am I. I won't That's rest until gorgeous. my heart is still. And spoiler, it ends with um, the realization, okay, so like I won't rest until my heart is still. And the, there are two options here. Either I am like the morning dew softly settled on the ground, meaning that I am calm and I'm collected and I'm ready for the day. Or like the sun that slowly sets its head below the mountains, gently lowered down, like lowered in the grave, either today or in the eternal. I won't rest until my heart is still. That's great. Well, let's take a listen. Patrick, roll that beautiful bean footage.
so that song is freaking fantastic. It is. And, and like we were discussing while it was playing, uh, no, uh, it's it's very different from the first song. And it, it's, it's yeah. just got such a different sound feel. But it, it I mean, it's still you. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Yeah. Are the strings padded or are they practical strings in that song? Like keyboard pads. Right. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like, man, she's got freaking strings on everything. Oh my That's gosh, awesome. that would be amazing. No, unfortunately, the only like um, live in studio strings that we did were on I Can't Make It Grow. Yeah. So we were talking a, a little bit while the song was playing. <laughs> Again. Uh, we were talking about how um, the complexity of your music, of, of the, I think not just your music, but your lyrics especially, mm. it for me seems strikingly different than most people that we've talked to mm. about their music and stuff like and no, nothing against them at all but I, I'd like to talk on that because I feel yeah. like your faith has a very direct influence on mm-hmm. that complexity absolutely well yeah my faith is so integral to who I am as a person and who I am as an artist uh, and creator and so it absolutely stems from a depth of of true intimate relationship that I have with the Lord and a, and a true believing in him and, and knowing him and a loving, I love literature, but specifically, um, the literature of the Bible. And so it's just so inspiring to me. Uh, and it's something that you can really dig into and sink your teeth into. And I think that I enjoy writing an allegory is because it reaches past those parameters that oftentimes Christian music has right. and has intentionally, you know, yeah. a lot of Christian music, their target audience, you know, is maybe a soccer mom who wants her kids to have a positive influence. And I totally respect that. I do, however, think that there are a lot of Christians who are not drawn to Christian contemporary music, to gospel music, and sometimes to worship music. Mm-hmm. And I love being able to provide an alternative in a lot of ways to them, but also something that anybody, I feel like anyone could enjoy if they have a leaning toward the type of music itself. Absolutely. And speak on this, um, for the people that are not um, people of faith and maybe have have, um, something against that, Mm -hmm. have, have something against people of faith, because like I know from my experience, I know several people and myself included that, uh, there's there is a bitterness towards the church because we've been hurt. Yeah. So speak on that of like how your music can still relate to those people. Like why should these people not turn the channel? Mm. Um, not to cut in here, but just like um, you know, just with you the way you described this pa- this last song, I I was immediately thinking of of myself in that not not even necessarily like I, I'm a Christian as well but not necessarily from the the faith faith based part but just of like some days I think about like why do I do improv can I still do improv my life is so crazy I thought I was good at it like you just have these daily doubts that don't mm-hmm. necessarily that are hard to overcome sometimes so just relating on that personal level yeah. and then of course I love digging 